be guinea pigs this morning. Um, I've been given the privilege of, of sharing a word this morning, and uh, I have preached once before, um, but a, a majority of the congregation were Fijian. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so let's just, let's just pray before I, uh, I start. Lord, we thank you. You're an awesome God. You're a good God, and you're a God who loves us with such an amazing love. Lord, uh, I just pray that this morning, as I speak, um, it would not be my words, but it would be the words that you have chosen to, to speak through me. And uh, Lord, I was challenged that um, even if one person here, the words mean something too, then um, you've achieved something. Um, so I just pray that you would use me now, um, open our hearts to hear and be challenged. Um, as I thought about what God would have me talk about or share about, I was reflecting back over the last few weeks, uh, I'm not sure how many weeks now, but we've been looking at the fullness of God. Um, and a couple of mornings um, early in the week, God um, touched me through my morning devotions about waiting on God. And it prompted me to start thinking, well, has waiting on God got anything to do with walking in fullness of God? And so that's, that was our starting point, um, or my starting point anyway. Um, waiting on God in the fullness of God. What, what could that look like? And my mind started to, uh, started to wander through different characters in the Bible, uh, different lives to see how the fullness of God might be displayed in people's lives. And our instant reaction is to probably focus more on New Testament people because it was in the New Testament times that the Holy Spirit was poured out on um, the disciples. Um, so naturally we go to think of people like Peter and John and the other disciples and how God um, blessed them and used them in many different ways. Um, and particularly I think of people like Stephen. Um, when uh, the apostles were asked to appoint people to um, take on the responsibility of looking after the, uh, the widows and the poor people that they weren't able to, um, we read that uh, they appointed seven, seven men uh, who were filled with the Holy Spirit. So Stephen, again, is another one who um, is definitely his life displayed, a fullness uh, of God. And, uh, and then also in Paul. Um, we just read so much about Paul and we see throughout his life um, how the Holy Spirit worked through him and how the Holy Spirit used him um, in such a mighty way. But I was also challenged as I thought about that God also laid um, another person in the Bible. We don't always think of the Old Testament, but the Spirit of God was at work back in the Old Testament times just as it was in the New Testament times. Um, and I want to look briefly at the life of David. Um, there are many things in, in David's life that when we start to talk about him, you'll have different stories that you might have heard or learnt over years over the years about David uh, and some of the things that he did. But if we go back, uh, look at 1 Samuel 16, 10 to 13. Um, 
King Saul had been uh, reigning in Israel, um, but he got to a point where he had grieved God. And Samuel the prophet really struggled with that. And God said, why do you grieve for him? I've chosen someone else. I want you to go and I'm going to show you who it is. So he went uh, up to visit Jesse. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all your sons? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise, anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So we see here that the spirit of the Lord came powerfully over David and his life. And so as we reflect on David, um, I instantly think back to uh, when he was shepherding the sheep. He had God gave him incredible strength to uh, fend off the mountain lions and a bear. Um, if we think about the physical strength and stamina needed to do something like that, they themselves are a big feat to be able to do. Um, but then, as we look forward, um, God enabled Dave to do some other really amazing things in the earlier part of his life. Uh, the next, probably a next thing that really stands out to us is the story of David and Goliath. And uh, again, to think a reminder that David had the boldness and the strength to stand up. Who is this big warrior who thinks he's pretty special and he's going to put down the army of the Lord? He's not doing that. I'm not prepared to stand by and see God's army being put down in this way. I'm going to stand up and fight. And uh, in the story, he took the five stones in his sling and he only took one of those stones. If you think about how the sling works and how accurate that shot from the sling would have to be to hit a nine-foot warrior clad in battle armour in a position that would make him fall down dead on the spot. Is that something that could physically happen really easily? Very unlikely. Clearly, for something like that to happen, God had to be in it. And I really believe that that's, that's a strong example of the fullness of God through the Spirit in a mighty way in his life. The next, uh, next passage that uh, God led me to was in the very next chapter. These couple of verses in uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel 18, 6 and 7, God gave him incredible victories in battle. We read, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, The women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, with the timoral sand lyres. As they danced, they sang. Saul has slain his thousands. That's a pretty good feat, good uh, result. And David, his tens of thousands. How much more is that? Tens of thousands is just significantly above what Saul was achieving. 
And Saul, again, Saul was a big, strong warrior. And David was certainly not a big, strong warrior. But God worked through his life and gave him the ability to do these amazing feats and achieve such great results for God's nation, Israel. Um, so in the early part of uh, David's life, these are, these are just a couple of the, the amazing things that Samuel was able to do. And as I, as I prayed, well, where do we go from here, Lord? What's the next thing that uh, I can bring out of this? What battles have I had in my life? Um, and I had a pretty, pretty simple life. I've, I've never had any really great, that I would see as really great significant challenges. I've had plenty of challenges. Um, but I've, I've, I've definitely had a few battles that I've not known how to handle or what to do, as we all do. Um, and God is, God is the one who has given me the ability to get through them. But as we look further with uh, David, David had some pretty big sins in his life too. Um, the ones that really stand out is the sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. And uh, as much as David was walking in, in the fullness of God through his life, he's still a human being, just like us, still open to sin. But what we see is how David responded after his sin. And we all know the story how Nathan, God sent Nathan the prophet to rebuke David and, uh, and challenge him. And David's response we see here, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against God. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die, but because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. So we see, we see through these verses that it, it's showing us David's heart. He knew and was convicted that what he had done was wrong, that he'd sinned against God, not only against Bathsheba and Uriah and the other people involved there, but he'd sinned against God and God saw the repentance in his heart. So we see in his response here. And uh, Psalm... There we go. Psalm 51, verses 1 to 4, again shows us part of David's response. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. He, he acknowledged God's sovereignty and he acknowledged um, the magnitude of his sin and he just came before God and just poured it out to God. Um, if we look at a little bit further down in that psalm, verses 10 to 13, this continues on David's response. To God, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. 
Then I will teach transgression your way, and sinners will be converted to you. This shows us more of David's heart. Not only was he repentant, but he knew that if he repented before God and allowed God to forgive him, he could then move on and God could use him to teach transgressors their way. He could, he could use his experience as a witness to other people in order that sinners will be converted and God's kingdom would grow. Um, amazing to think that that was David's heart. And this, this led me then on to uh, looking at further the Psalms about waiting on God. David also lived through a lot of trials. Um, his life went up and down, up and down, up and down. He had the, the, uh, the early promise of God that he was anointed to be chosen king. That didn't happen for many years. And, and so he had to live uh, through a lot of really tough times where he was being treated unjustly and unfairly. And he was crying out and waiting on the Lord. Psalm 25, 1 to 5. You, O Lord, or to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation for you I wait all the day as I started to look at some of these passages in the Psalms on waiting it challenged me to think what what does it mean to wait on God and uh, the way my brain works is well I'll go up and I'll look, look up a number of these references I've got a big thick Strong's exhaustive concordance and look back into the Hebrew and try and um, get some understanding of the different different meanings, and if you'll just bear with me a minute, I'll, I'm not going to bore you too much uh, with Hebrew words because that won't mean an awful lot um, to us. But the underlying meanings that came out of the the words "wait" was trusting in God was one of the biggest uh, the biggest and broadest meanings there. Um, things like patiently waiting um, and trusting, um, fearfully fearfully waiting in some some cases because you don't know you don't know the answers to the situations that you're in, but you have to trust a God who knows what He's doing um, to guard and to protect, to persevere. Um, in some cases, more to literally wait to sit and observe. Um, and in others, then just the, the patient hope, sitting back and trusting. Not necessarily sitting back doing nothing. It's very hard to sit back and do nothing. But God doesn't want us to sit back and do nothing all the time. He wants us to keep moving forward as we are and he will reveal step by step uh, his promise. He doesn't always answer our prayers right away, and uh, that's something um, that I've experienced over many years, just having to wait and wait and wait, and sometimes waiting a long time. Psalm 52, 8 and 9. Waiting and trusting with praise. 
But as for me, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the loving kindness of God forever and ever. I will give you thanks forever because you have done it. And I will wait on your name for it is good in the presence of your godly ones. So again, we see in, this, in these couple of verses here, David's response as he waits on God, what does he do? He gives praise to God. He gives honour and glory to God. And uh, again in Psalm 130, 30, Out of the depths I've cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my voice, uh, to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than the watchman for the morning, indeed more than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Again, in this one we see that uh, David's response is giving praise to God and he's putting his hope in God. He knows. He knows that God is his salvation. He knows that God is full of loving kindness. He knows that God is a forgiving God. And so, again, over and over through these different passages, this is David's response. He responds prayerfully. He he responds in in a trust. He responds by giving praise to God. Um, And I believe they're all things that show us in his life that he was living in the fullness of God. Now, how does that that compare to my life? Um, We all go through different trials. I just just mentioned a little bit earlier that, you know, I, I look at my life and think, yes, I've had difficulties and I've had trials, but I don't think of them as huge, significant things. And I was trying to think of how I would, I responded personally in, in different situations, particularly um, of a situation where I had, I had done nothing wrong, but I was unfairly treated. Um, I was in a job, I had a Christian boss, and uh, the operations manager was also a Christian. I was the only Christian amongst the team of workers. And things started to go wrong. And I was experiencing some, I don't know how you would describe it, but I was, I was starting to be treated really unfairly. And people were basically really accusing me of doing things. And I'm thinking, well, I haven't done anything. How can that be true? You know, you're saying things that are not true. I sat down and spoke with my boss about it, who um, he was a family friend. And I got on really well with him. I sat down and was open and honest with him. And it just seemed to go nowhere. And I just didn't know what to do. Things just seemed to get worse. And they got to a point where one of the guys I worked with, he actually confronted me in the, um, in the little kitchenette that we had. And he, just, he was so fume and angry about something, he smashed a cup of coffee out of my hand and shoved me up onto the bench. And was this close to punching me in the head? I haven't done anything wrong. What can I do? I can't do anything. And all I could do was just put it before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. You're going to have to 
show me what to do, help me get through this. Things improved in time and interestingly that particular person um, recommitted his life to the Lord and I found out what was going on behind the scenes Um, and I struggled with why things had happened. But I had to get to the point, I was at a point I couldn't do anything. I just had to trust in God. Um, and sadly, our, often our first response in difficult times is to just withdraw into ourselves and try and run away. I think, do I have to leave? Do I, what, what, do I do? what do I do? But God showed me quickly that I needed to stand firm and I needed to endure. Um, and I can see that you know, God blessed me through that because I was able to have some really good opportunities to sit and talk with that particular staff um, who I had the con- confrontation with. And, um, yeah, it, it became... God used it as a blessing uh, in the long run. How was David able to respond? In a couple of those passages we looked at, he referred to dwelling on God's word. And a couple of passages that God led me to, Psalm 1, 2 and 3, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like the tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. David learnt that he needed to spend time in the scriptures. He needed to spend time in God's word. And as he did, God gave him the ability to keep focused on the scriptures and on God, no matter what circumstances he came up against. Psalm 119.11 Your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Again, He knew that if he dwelt on God's word, whatever came against him, his response would be with God's word. Um, And in previous weeks, um, I think Mark's mentioned, when uh, when Jesus was in the, the desert being tempted by the devil, how did he respond to Satan? With God's word. And how did Satan cope with that? He didn't cope very well at all because he can't stand against God's word. So if we have God's word hidden in our heart, we're meditating on it day and night, Satan can't stand against us when we stand on God's word. And uh, I really feel that that's one of, the key, one of the key things to walking in the fullness of God. I can't stand here and say, oh, I've got it all together and that I meditate on God's word day and night. I struggle like everyone here. I'm a human being too. Um, but I know when, at times when I do spend more time in it, I seem to be able to cope better with all the things that are going on in life. And that brings me to, to, to this point, again, that we've just talked about. How can we respond to and live? Um, to live in the fullness of God, we need to have God's Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to have God's Spirit indwelling us. And... Uh, God has given to us, given that, given his spirit to us. And uh, we need to 
as we spend time in his word, filling our heart with his word, filling our mind with his word, that leaves less and less room for anything that's not of God. And uh, the more that we fill our lives with God's word and his truth and the spirit, the easier it is to fight against all that Satan brings against us and tries to tear us down because he will, no matter what we go through, he will continue to, to battle us over and over again. He might go away for a little while, but he'll come back. But if we're living in the fullness of God, then we can stand against him. God doesn't always answer. He doesn't always answer our prayers straight away. And um, our journey as a family has been an interesting one over, particularly over the last six or seven years. God's given us really clear words to step out from a church that we were really comfortable in. We enjoyed, I was involved. Uh, um, with the uh, the Sunday school kids church um, running that and God lined us up and said I want you to step out well okay Lord but this doesn't make sense where are you going to take us it just you know this doesn't make sense you know if you're going to call us out you're going to tell us where we're going nope he didn't and that was really the start of the journey that brought us here. And we look back and see a journey of six and a half years, I think it was, um, where he didn't allow us to get settled, even though we tried to get settled. And God gave me opportunities to, to minister with youth, uh, with the youth group. Um, but they're all little <laughs> stepping stones along the way that God was using to bring us here and... Now that we're here and we're comfortable and settled, <laughs> you know what God's done. He said, no, this, is not, this is just part of the journey. <laughs> He's got another step in front of us as well. But that's been a long journey for us to, to see God answering our prayers and showing us the journey that he has for us on, on our way. And just like, just like that in taking time to answer, he wants us still to move forward and respond in a right way um, in situations, even in difficult situations. And uh, yesterday afternoon, Tabitha sent through a, an email after our leaders' meeting uh, with a, a, a song um, that we watched. And well, after I watched it, I was prompted to have a look at a few other songs. And God, uh, just God brought to our attention another song, and I'd just like to, to play it for you. It's um, some songs out of the, the movie Fireproof. I don't know whether you've all seen the movie Fireproof. Um, but, Brad, if you could just roll that for us now. Thanks, Brad. For any of you who may not have seen that movie, um, you can see through the clip this young guy, his marriage was falling apart um, to the point at which his wife was just about to walk out and file for divorce. And he didn't know what to do. 
and uh, his father stepped into his life and said, this is what you've got to do. He went back to his Bible and, and looked up and saw what God, how God wanted him to be a husband. And he started to change and he started to do the things that counted as a husband. But he couldn't change his wife's attitude. He couldn't change her heart. He just had to focus on God and what God wanted him to do and how he wanted him to live and wait for God to do the changes in his wife's life. And that was hard. He, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't make the changes. But what God asked him to do was to change his own heart. And we see him smashing the computer. Um, he'd been into pornography and he had to deal with that. As we've looked at the fullness of God, we have to deal with things in our life. We can't have things from our past sitting there. Otherwise, Satan will keep coming in and he'll keep using those to prevent us from living in the fullness of God. So it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but we have to stand up on the word of God, on the truth of God. We have to do that. And I believe that waiting on God is an example of how we respond when we're waiting on God is one way that we can see the fullness of God being worked out in our lives. There are probably many other, many other ways that we can see it. But that's the one that God laid on my heart to share with you this morning. I'll just pray now. Lord, we, we thank you and praise you again. What an awesome God you are. A God of incredible love, compassion and kindness. Yet a God who is just. A God who can stand nothing wrong, nothing sinful. Everything you desire is pure and holy. And we're not that. But we thank you that you've made a way through your son Jesus that we could be cleansed, that we can become holy. And we thank you that when we accept you as Lord of our life, you give us your Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And through your Holy Spirit and standing on your word, we can deal with all that's in our lives that is preventing us from experiencing, knowing and living the fullness of you. And we just pray that you will just continue to challenge us, challenge, bring before us anything in our lives that will be standing against us being able to do that so that we can stand boldly for you, stand in your fullness, that we can respond in the right ways, we can learn to praise you in all situations and at all time and that you can use us in a mighty way for your kingdom. Lord, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.